Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So you may be familiar with a little song called The Macarena. It's actually been around since 1993, but it gained popularity in 1996 when a group by the name of Bayside Boys recorded the song with some English lyrics included. And so the the song began to be played on the radio and it shot up to number one on Billboard's Hot 100 list and it stayed there for 14 weeks straight. And that song began to be played everywhere. It began to be played at wedding receptions, at school dances, family celebrations. If there was a dance going on, that song was definitely being played. So there was this radio station in Corpus Christi at the time that uh, they began to play the Macarena 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a couple of weeks straight. They were trying to boost their listeners, and so they, they came up with this gimmick. They were going to play the Macarena every day, all day long, for a couple of weeks straight. And I'm not going to lie, there was probably more than one occasion that, that I sat there in my room just listening to that song over and over again, trying to w- learn the words and, uh, and you know hone my dance skills. <laughs> I said last week, it's, it's not a sin to dance, it's just a sin to dance poorly. There's a reason why I'm not dancing the Macarena up here right now, right? It's not a pretty sight. So as humans, music tends to be a big part of our lives. Uh, we, we play songs during times of celebration and, celebration and maybe even during times of sorrow. And sometimes when there's a song that we really enjoy, we might just put that song on repeat and we might just listen to it over and over again. So we're in a series right now titled A Soundtrack for Life, and as we're going through this series, we're, we're simply looking at a different song in the book of Psalms each week. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 30. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12, Psalm 30, verses 1 through 12, that's the whole chapter. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. As we start off this chapter, once again, we're going to begin seeing David praise the Lord. We've already seen him, seen him sing these songs of praise to the Lord in the previous three psalms that we looked at, uh, but we're going to see him sing these songs of praise once again. It's like these, these songs of praise are on repeat for David as he sings praises to the Lord over and over again. But in reality, that's what many of the psalms are. Many of the psalms are songs of praise. But when we think about it, can, can we really blame David for singing all of these songs of praise over and over again? As David recognizes how great God is, and as he recognizes God's hand at work in his life, how can he not sing songs of praise? Listen, when we recognize how great our God is, our songs will be songs of praise. When we recognize how great our God is, our songs will be songs of praise. And so we're going to see David start out by singing this song of praise again. And this song of praise is being sung at the dedication of 
David's palace. If you remember, David is king, and so David has a palace for him built. And so once the palace is completed, he's dedicating this palace to the Lord. Now, there are, are a few out there, a few scholars out there, uh, Charles Spurgeon included, that believe this to be a prophetic song of dedication uh, being sung about uh, or a song of dedication for the temple that David wanted to build for the Lord and the temple that David's son Solomon would eventually build for the Lord. Now, personally, I think this is more likely a dedication sung at David's palace. But regardless, whether this is a dedication at the completion of David's palace or whether this is a, a prophetic dedication, a prophetic song for the, the temple that would eventually be built, in reality, I think it's important for us to remember that we should dedicate all of these things to the Lord. Certainly, the place that we gather in, the place that we come together to worship our God in should be dedicated to the God that we worship. But also, the homes that we go home to should be dedicated to our God as well, because at the end of the day, we need to be faithful to worship the Lord when we're in this house, but we also need to be faithful to worship the Lord in our own house. So let me pause right here and say this. Wherever the Lord is worthy to be worshipped is a place that he should be worshipped. Wherever the Lord is worthy to be worshipped is a place that he should be worshipped. We gather in this building to, to worship the Lord together because that's what God calls us to do. We are called to gather together. We are called to lift our voices, to worship his name together. But we are also called to worship the Lord each and every day, wherever we are. Whether we're in our house or whether we're uh, in the house of the Lord, we are called to worship our Lord and because the Lord is worthy to be worshipped everywhere, we should worship Him anywhere. Because on a daily basis, our worship is not centered on the where of our worship. Our worship is centered on the who of our worship. Several years ago, I heard a, a pastor say these words, and they've stuck with me through the years. He said, he said uh, we don't seek the house of God, we seek the God of the house of God. We don't seek the house of God. We seek the God of the house of God. I think many times we get wrapped up in the house of God, and so we, we begin to limit our times of worship or we limit our times of study to the times that we come into this house together. Now, certainly that's important that we do those things when we come together. But we are to seek God, and we are to study God's word. We are to worship the Lord in these times that we come together, but also in those times that we are at home, that we are at work, that we are alone at times. I know many that, that worship the Lord, that listen to sermons, that, that listen to even the Bible being read out loud to them as they're driving in the car on their way to work. Even our cars can be dedicated to the Lord, because our worship is not centered on the where of our worship. Our worship is centered on the who of our worship. And so really, that's the focus of our psalm today. Whether this is a dedication of David's palace or a prophetic dedication for the temple that would eventually be built, the, the focus of, of this passage is not on, on the temple, it's not on the palace, it's on the person of God himself. So with that in mind, let's read our passage now. Psalm 30, verses 1 through 12. 
says, I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. When I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you, you made me stand like a strong mountain. When you hid your face, I was terrified. Lord, I called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. You turn my lament into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Now, as we walk through this psalm today, I want to simply begin with those first few words at the beginning of verse 1. David says, I will exalt you, Lord. Now, I think this is important to to recognize David's word here because David's really at a a place of great uh, victory and great accomplishment. His enemies have been been defeated and his palace has been completed. Certainly, there's a lot for David to celebrate. And and David could have easily, in his celebration, David could have easily misplaced the focus of his praise, misplaced the focus of his celebration, and focused on himself instead of on the Lord. So back in the year 2000, there was a movie that came out by the name of Castaway, starring Tom Hanks. And if you've seen that movie, uh, then you know in the movie, Tom Hanks, his character Chuck Noland is stranded on a deserted island. And so for, for Part of the beginning of the movie, what we see is, is Chuck Nolan just struggling to survive on the island. But then we have this epic moment where he finally is able to create fire. And, and as he create, f- creates fire, he, he moves into this time of celebration. And we see him standing on the shore next to the fire. And he lifts his arms in, he, in the air and he says, Look what I've created. I have made fire. So David is at this epic moment in his life. His enemies have been defeated. The palace has been completed. And and so he's at the dedication of this palace, a a time, a dedication that others would have been present at. They would have heard this dedication. And, And David's song could have easily been focused on himself. He could have easily lifted his hands up in the air and said, look what I have done. I have defeated my enemies. I have built this great palace. But David's heart and David's focus is not on himself here. David's heart and his focus is on the God that allowed for all of this to be accomplished. His heart and his focus is on all of these things because is on is on the Lord because he recognizes that it's not as at his own hands that this stuff has been accomplished it's been accomplished by the hands of the Lord and I think this is important for us uh, to to recognize this because over the last year here at First Baptist Church Stockdale we have seen God some do some amazing things wouldn't you agree 
We've seen God do some amazing things between our thriving children's choir and youth ministry, between the salvations that we've seen and the the multiple numerous baptisms that we've had. We've got more baptisms coming up in the coming days. We've hired a full-time youth minister that will be coming uh, onto staff in September and we're also making plans. Uh, we've got a committee together that's going to begin meeting so that we can begin discussing building a youth and children's facility. So we've seen God do some pretty amazing things over this last year. We, we, we began praying for revival last year, and certainly I would say that, that we've seen uh, some signs of revival here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. And while certainly you and I have had a part to play in that as, as we've simply been obedient to the Lord, we also have to recognize and understand that, that all of this has not been accomplished by our own hands. All of this has been accomplished by the hands of the Lord. It is the Lord that has brought revival to First Baptist Church Stockdale. And so like David, may, may our hearts focus and may the words of our mouth, may, may the words of, of our life, be reflective of of David's words here that we might proclaim just like he did, I will exalt you, Lord. So David starts out this passage by singing those words, I will exalt you, Lord. Then what we're going to see in these next few minutes as we walk through this passage, we're going to see things that the Lord has done for David or, or really things that the Lord has given to David, things that I believe that the Lord gives to us as well. So first, the Lord gives us a new hope. The Lord gives us a new hope. Let's read verses 1 through 3 again. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. The Lord gives us a new hope. Now, as we think about that word Sheol, in Hebrew, it means the place of the dead. And while Sheol can refer to the grave, most often it's not only referring to the grave. Because when we read that word Sheol, what it's referring to is the place of the dead on this earth, but it's also referring to the place of the dead in eternity, to hell. In other words, David is using this word figuratively, and so what he's saying is, I was in a place in my life that I felt like I was in Sheol, that I felt like I was, was living in hell. His enemies were against him, and some even believed that he was battling some type of illness at the same time. And so it was in this time that he felt like, like his life was, like he was living his life in Sheol, like he was living his life in, in hell, that he saw the hand of God at work lifting him up from Sheol, lifting him up from the pit, that he might no longer live in the depths of despair. Listen, maybe you came here today, and and like David, you would say, man, my life feels like I am living in Sheol, like my life feels like I've been living in the pit, like I've been living in in hell. Maybe maybe you're battling an illness. Maybe, Maybe there's struggles in your marriage or struggles in your job, struggles in your family, and man, you, you came here today just looking for an ounce of hope that you might no longer be in that pit of despair. I want to tell you, the hope that you're looking for is found in the Lord. The hope that you're looking for is found in Jesus, and it's not just an ounce of hope. It is an endless hope. 
Jesus is the one that can bring us out of Sheol. He's the one that can lift us up out of the pit. He's the one that can give us a hope, not just for today, but for tomorrow and all of eternity. So let me pause right here and say this. When your hope is in the Lord, you have a hope that is greater than your circumstances. When your hope's in the Lord, you have a hope that's greater than your circumstances. And this is what I've personally found. When I allow for my hope to be rooted in the Lord, even when my circumstances don't go the way that I want them to, even when I still go through those struggles, my hope is unwavering because the Lord is unwavering. And so let me encourage you, if you're in that place today, like David, that you would say, man, I feel like I'm living in the pit of despair, then, then let me just encourage you, look to the Lord that you might find that unwavering hope in him today. So David uses this term figuratively, but, but the reality is that, that apart from Christ, our destiny is literally Sheol. Apart from Christ, our destiny is literally the pit. Apart from Christ, we are destined not for a figurative hell, but we are destined for a literal hell. And so if you are a believer, then, then through Jesus Christ, you know that you have received a new hope. Because through Jesus Christ, you have been pulled up out of the pit. You have received that salvation. You have an eternity now with him. Earlier in the service, we sang that song, Love Lifted Me. And that really is a great song to sing as we look at this passage because really that song echoes what David is saying here. Because in verse 1 of, of this passage, we read those words, you have lifted me up. And the imagery is, is, is of dipping dropping a bucket down into a well, a deep well, and then drawing that bucket back up out of that well. You have lifted me up out of this deep place. And so as we think about those words, I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore. It's a recognition, not just of a figurative pit, but of a literal pit that we are destined for, that we are being pulled out of, a pit that we could not pull ourselves out of. And we're in this pit because of the sin that stains us deep within. And so as we're stained by our sin, sinking deep in those waters, far from the peaceful shore, God in his great love for us through Jesus Christ reaches down and he pulls us up out of the water. He lifts us up out of that pit. That pit is no longer our future. Sheol is no longer our destiny. Rather, through Christ, through salvation, our eternity is now one of eternal life. So let me just pause right here and ask, do you have that hope today? Do you have that hope today? Do you know that you've given your life to Jesus Christ? You have allowed him to be your Lord. You know that you have been pulled up out of that pit that you have an eternity with him. And if you don't know that, then I would encourage you, turn to Jesus today that you might receive a new hope in him. So the Lord gives us a new hope. Second, the Lord gives us his favor. Let's look at verses five, 4 and 5 again. It says, Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. The Lord gives us his favor. So in this part of the passage, David contrasts God's 
anger with his favor, God's disfavor with his favor. And really, when he uses that word anger, he, he's referring to God's hand of discipline or God's hand of correction. Quite certainly, there were many times in David's life that he faced God's hand of discipline, that, that, that David had to face God's hand of correction. And I've said this before, but but we realize it's never fun when we have to be corrected. It's never fun when we have to be disciplined. It's not something that we look forward to. So I can remember when I was growing up, when my dad's car would pull into the driveway, I, I would always be excited. I was always so glad when my dad came home from work. There, there was this anxiousness, this expectation for him to come home. And so I always looked forward to his return home unless... I had done something wrong, and I knew I was going to get in trouble. Then I did not look forward to him coming home. In that case, I dreaded him coming home. As we think about God's hand of discipline, as we think about correction, right? It's not something that we look forward to. Many times we dread discipline. Many times we dread correction. But, you know, when I was disciplined by my dad, even though there, there may have been tears involved at the time, even though it's not something I looked forward to, didn't enjoy going through it, it never lasted. But yet my relationship with my dad still continued. And so David recognizes that God's anger or God's hand of discipline, God's correction lasts for a moment, but his favor is is eternal. His, his favor, his love for David continues. I want you to hear this. If you've given your life to Christ, God's discipline for you is momentary, but his favor is eternal. As a Christ follower, when, when you experience God's hand of discipline or God's hand of correction, understand it is out of God's love for you. And God's desire in those moments is to draw you to repentance, that you might turn from that sin, that you might turn back to him and, and continue walking in his favor once again. God's discipline for you is momentary. If you're a believer, God's, God's discipline is momentary, but his favor is eternal. So the Lord gives us a new hope. The Lord gives us his favor. Finally, this morning, the Lord gives us something new to wear. Let's read verses 11 through 12 again. It says, You turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. So that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. The Lord gives us something new to wear. So we're right at the start of the new school year. And if you're a parent, many of you have gone out to buy new clothes for your children. So we have a rule in our house. You can't wear your new clothes until the first day of school. That was a rule in, in my house when I was growing up. That may be the rule in, in your house as well. But I can remember when I was growing up, I would get those new clothes, and I couldn't wait. There, there was so much excitement. I just wanted to begin wearing those new clothes immediately. As David sings this song, he says, You have removed my sackcloth, which was what people wore in times of mourning. And he says, You have clothed me with gladness. Here's the deal. When our hope is in the Lord, when our salvation is in the Lord, when our focus is in the Lord... We don't have to wait to wear those new clothes. We don't have to wait to wear those new clothes. Rather, our sorrows can be turned to gladness in an instant. 
And I want you to understand, David's sorrows are turned to gladness, not because of his circumstances, but once again because of the Lord. Because David recognizes here all throughout this that, that it's not that, that he himself couldn't bring himself out of the pit. He himself couldn't give himself victory over his enemies. He couldn't have built this palace. He couldn't have done all of these things. It is only God who could have accomplished these things. It is only God who could give him a hope and a salvation. Only God could do that for him. And I want you to hear this. Only God can do that for you too. Only God can do that for you too. And if you know the Lord, then you can begin wearing those clothes of gladness today. You don't have to stay in your sorrows any longer, but you can begin to rejoice as, as you recognize the salvation that you have received. But if you don't know the Lord, then I would tell you it is only by Jesus and through Jesus that the sorrows of this life can be turned into gladness. And if your sorrows are turned to gladness, then this glad song can be on the soundtrack for your life. But I want to give you the opportunity to receive that gladness in Jesus Christ today. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And as we sing this song, if you've never given your life to Christ, if today you would say, say I recognize that, man, I am still stuck in the pit I'm still separated from God. Man, the pit, Sheol, is still my destiny. But today, I want my sorrows to be turned to gladness. I'm ready to turn to Jesus Christ to allow him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, if you're ready to make that decision, then as we sing this song, I'm going to be standing right down front. Would you join me down here? We can talk. We can pray. Today, you can make that decision to make Jesus your Lord, and your sorrows can be turned to gladness in him in an instant. Maybe you're here and you would say, well, I've already given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. We've had many baptized already, and we're going to continue to baptize in the coming days. If you're one that needs to make that commitment to be baptized, I'd love to talk with you. You can come down during this song. We can talk and we can pray and we can make that commitment together today. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale, and I know God's calling me to make this my church home. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well, and we can make that decision together as well today. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, let me just encourage you to respond obediently. Stand with me right now, and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.